we're all about turning a crappy situation into something wow. positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of From Poop to Gold. Today, my guest is Kevin Harrington, and he is of Shark Tank fame, right? One of the original, um, one of the original hosts of Shark Tank, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Awesome. Um, a little bit more of your background: you um, are founder or co-founder of As Seen on TV. Um, I uh, I owned uh, As Seen on TV dot com, okay. As Seen on TV Inc. Yes. So. The the term as seen on TV is a generic term that nobody owns, okay. but I had the corporation and the website. Okay. So the the only IP <laughs> in the the only IP in the world of as seen on TV is, is like the dot com. And okay. so so that's that that's what we had that site with all the products coming there. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously there's stuff that goes clear back to Ron Papel and the yeah. and the Chopomatic and all right. that stuff and all the Vitamix and all those things. Sure. So what does that mean to you, the the inventor of the infomercial? Yes. So um, when I uh, was a young entrepreneur in the early 80s, uh, there was a, um, Ron Popeil was running Mr. Microphone and uh, the, the Chopomatic, yeah. and these were spots, you know, short form. And so, um, and, and you'd see music spots selling 60 uh, uh, songs in a, in a 60 second spot. Okay. And, and so that industry existed long before I came around, yes. but I was sitting in, in 1984 watching, I had just ordered cable television and then I got to discovery channel, which was actually channel 30. Yeah. And so when I got to channel 30, there was nothing there. Okay. And so I, I felt, well, you know, I'm, I'm paying for 30. I've got 29, but there's nothing on Discovery. There was bars on the screen. So I called the cable company and they said, oh, Discovery is a new channel. They only program 18 hours a day. And oh. they run th they run the six-hour block three times. And they figure in the middle of the night, they don't need to run it, right? Yeah. So I said, well, it, it, would you be interested in doing something with that time if I had a use for it? Yeah. And they said, if we can make money, yes. So I I went in and met the discovery people okay. and I started putting products on, on the air, okay. but we were, because we had six hours of yeah. empty space, yeah. I wasn't running one minute spots. I was creating 30 minute shows. Yes. So we did the food saver was one of our early ones. Uh, we, we, we got involved. Ginsu knives was, was coming out. The, the guy that, that I don't, I don't own uh, or invent any of the products necessarily. Right, right. I partner with people that do. So in, in the 35 years I've been doing infomercials, um, I, you know, I, I never invented any of them. I didn't invent the Jack Lane juicer or the food saver or the Ginsu, but we partnered and then we put the shows together. So what we were doing was putting 30 minute shows together on cable. And this is back in yes. 1984. So creating so, actual TV programming. Right. In the form of a commercial. And in the form of a commercial. So uh -huh. it would be like a cooking show. We're selling a, you know, cooking with a Chinese wok and then sell the wok. And mm -hmm. so make a long story short, that was the, the we were now able to sell hundred dollar two hundred dollar three hundred dollar products yeah. the food saver was a three hundred dollar product in the very beginning yeah. so um and so the, the, that was the the difference between long form which was infomercial yeah. and short form because we came along and said let's sell 
everything. Let's sell fitness products, Gazelle. We can sell juicers. We can yeah. sell, um, you know, so we opened the market. And this is before QVC ever started. Yeah, yeah. And so that became the, that was sort of the birth of it, of the modern day infomercial, yes. right? And so, um, so some people say, oh, Kevin is a creator, the inventor of the infomercial. And, mm-hmm. and we just started doing dozens and then hundreds. And, and then I said, well, if there's empty space in the U.S., because our shows would were a bell-shaped curve. Right. It's sort of like a movie. A movie yeah. comes out, it peaks, and yep. now it's out of the theaters. But it, you know, maybe did a hundred million and and then, and then died. And, and and uh-huh. then what do they do? They take it to Europe. They take it to Latin America, Middle yeah. East, Asia. Just dub it into the local language. So I started going in 1990 to the international uh, TV conferences, okay. uh, the Cannes Film Festival, MIPCOM. And meeting all the TV people all around the world. So I started licensing the shows in Europe, in Latin America, to Sky Channel, to um, uh, TV Tokyo in Japan. And all of a sudden, we had Tony Little doing his gazelle in 25 languages all around the world. All we had to do was just ship it into the market. They'd run it on TV. And then we had to have a local partner that would take the phone calls, ship the product, provide the customer service and the banking. So we set up these partnerships around the world. So that was the, this was from 84 to the early nineties. And that sort of is, I call it, you know, the heyday of the infomercial space. That's, that's awesome. That's a a tremendous success story, especially your foresight to be like, Hey, this can work here, but if we, you know, translate it into other languages, we can get that programming elsewhere. And so basically, like you said, it's, it was a matter of of so on on TV you have interruptive advertising right your commercial break coming in that no one wants to really sit through or whatever right. but this was actually programmed commercials right that that was the programming and so that was kind of your innovation on it yeah and we started doing just kind of like the downtime on the stations mm-hmm. but then the station said well you know hey you're running at three o'clock in the morning what would you what be willing if... would you be willing to buy time from us at nine in the morning yeah okay just, just experiment and, with and, that and we said sure well you know what do you want to sell it for so th- this is how the math worked in a 30 minute show the the tv station had seven minutes of advertising to sell so let's say they got a thousand dollars a minute they grossed seven thousand dollars i bought the whole half hour for $7,000 because I gave them the same amount of money oh, yeah. that they got in the seven minutes. Yeah. But for their bottom line, they don't so care. Their bottom line didn't care at all. In fact, yeah. they actually made more money because they didn't have to pay for the program. That's right. Cause they, you know, they were licensing the rights to the show. It's an efficiency so thing. I said, I'll give you the seven grand. You give me the 30 minutes. Yeah. So, so in effect, we had way more time and, and, and more time to tell the story and sell the product and the economics made sense for them. But we now had a 30 minute show that was, could be very powerfully uh, selling things. Yeah. Right. That's so awesome. Um, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about kind of your background as a salesman. Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of similar to mine. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I, I sold potatoes door to door. Oh wow. I've sold like, um, a window washing door to door, alarm it. systems, all this kind of yeah. stuff. What's a little bit of your, your sales background? Okay. So, uh-huh. uh, when I was 15, I was, I'm, I'm one of six kids and my father was a bartender, uh, for many years. And then he saved up enough money to own his own bar. Harrington's Irish pub. Okay. So (laughs) I started when I was 11 working for my father 
and in his in his bars and and he said but kevin you got to own your own business okay so when when That's when awesome. i and, and by the way i was the fourth one of six kids and i and i pay my own way through high school and my clothes and when i you know turned 16 i wanted a car yeah. my dad wasn't like oh well here's your you know Here's fancy your car. car you know yeah. it's like you got to go make it the money right so when i was 15 grew up in ohio and um we there was if you had a, you know, a driveway with cracks and mm-hmm. water got in there and froze it would triple the size of the crack right you know in, in the winter the, yeah, so so, mm-hmm. so i started a driveway ceiling business um when i was 15 i'd i'd knock on the door mm-hmm bring them out, say, see these cracks and hey, we'll fill them and then we'll beautify the driveway. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing in the summer months about 10 of those projects a week, sealing yeah. the driveways. Yeah. And I had to hire a, a guy a, to drive big, the truck, you know, cause a big I, project. Yeah. It was, it was, it, it was a, um, you know, kind of a, a labor involved business, but I'd string a little uh, thing across the, the driveway and I'd take a before and after picture. It's sort of in my world of selling with like a Polaroid sort of, yeah, like, yeah. You know, a, 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 a I call call it a magical transformation, right? Yeah. So we'd show the before, we'd show the after, because I'm 15 years old knocking on the door, and people, would, they'd look at me like, where's the owner of the company? Uh, you know, are you here to see Johnny? Okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, no, no, I am the owner, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I don't know, you know, we, uh, well, I did the guy across the street, right? Yeah. So that, we had to get one in the neighborhood first, but so I, that was, that was my start as a uh, driveway ceiling company and Harrington's driveway ceiling. And then when I got to college, and I had that for about um, three years, uh, but it was a summertime business only. Yeah. So now I got to college, I had year-round bills, right? Yeah. Because so, in high school, I was still living at home. Yeah. Got to college, I had an apartment, and yeah. I had school, I had books, I had education. So my dad said, well, you can't be doing driveway ceiling in, you know, in the middle of the winter. You need a... F- full-time business yeah so he was my first mentor Se- uh, uh, yeah. season round business season round, round. Uh-huh. So i said what's year round heating and air conditioning okay uh-huh. so yeah so i started a heating and cooling company okay and what i did was i went into the courthouse and bought um all the um the, the real estate transactions so um if you bought a new home it was a, a public record and you um uh, I would call them and I had a, a little a couple of people working in my, my phone room. Yeah. We would outbound telemarket. Hey, congratulations on the purchase of your house. We, um, we, we've got a gift for you because you're a new homeowner. Uh, don't turn that furnace on until you get a safety check because it can be a dangerous appliance uh-huh. in your home with the, the uh, carbon monoxide and stuff. And by the way, we're, we're going to give you a free safety check. We'll clean it while we're there too. Absolutely free. And then, I would go out with the the, car, the the furnace cleaning guys, and I'd you know, hey, this is a 20-year-old furnace, very inefficient. It's got that pilot light that burns 24-7. We got a new system called Spark Ignition. It, it only comes on when the, when the furnace calls for heat. Yeah. And it was a new technology that Carrier had just patented. So I got a license to sell this new uh, high-efficient furnace. And it would pay for itself because, you know, the cost of a furnace was, I could buy a furnace for $200 installed for a thousand bucks. And so it paid for itself in about three years. So we were selling furnaces and air conditioning systems my freshman year in college, my sophomore year. By the time I got to my junior year, we were doing the equivalent in today's world of over 5 million in sales. I had 25 employees, six trucks on the road, and I'm going to class. So (laughs) I'm like... 
I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I get to the office at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, where you know, why aren't you here? Yeah. You know. So make a long story short, I, I dropped out of college. Yeah. And built the business. Saw that one coming. We had a, we had a great <laughs> run, but it was very labor intensive, and I, I ended up selling it to one of my employees. So, there you go. But I, I I really learned and loved knocking on doors, closing the sale. And, and, and of course, I, it was around this time I started tuning into Zig Ziglar and many of his teachings. So yeah. learned a lot from Zig. That's awesome. So what, what's really cool about that, I think, is that what you just described as far as your telemarketing um, funnel is yes. what call it. It is, it's very much we, like a funnel of today, we, right? We, we never you, used that word back no, then. No, you didn't, <laughs> right. But, but basically, that's exactly what you're describing is um, offer something of value to someone yeah. for free. Yeah. Use that um, to kind of build the trust with them. Yes. Show them what you can do and then have, have a moment to add additional value with an upsell. Yes. And move them further and further down the kind of the customer journey, right? Exactly. And you're yeah. just doing it all face-to-face and over face the phone. To, and we were data mining because we were, you know, going into the courthouse to get all these records, you know, yeah. they, they didn't just, you know, send them out to everybody. You had to, you had to go down and get them. Yeah. So guys, yeah. nothing, nothing is new in this world. It's all <laughs> been done. It's just now just being done digitally, right? Yeah. Awesome. You. So um, the theme of this podcast and its name is from poop to gold, right? right? right. So when, what, when did you have um, a really crappy situation in your life oh, or in yes. your career yeah. that you were able to turn into something positive? Very, very good question. So we were um, now, um, I got into the infomercial space. Uh, as we were producing a lot of kitchen shows and I was sitting at um, the Philadelphia home show and Billy Mays was there. I don't know if you know, Billy with the beard. Okay. Right. So Billy had, he was washing a car. Um, He had this, this um, tube that went down to a bucket and it was just a bucket of water, but he's, as he's washing, he's washing the car, the water, it had a reverse valve. And as he would do this, the water would come up and he was, it was called the washmatic and he's okay. washing the car. And I'm like, yeah. that's pretty amazing. I thought I, we, I said to Billy, you know, how do you, you know, where'd you get the product and this and that we shot an infomercial with him, make a long story short, but we started doing all these infomercials. So we had Billy Mays and Tony little and yeah. Jack LaLanne. And, and so business is great. And then one um, Monday morning, I walk into my office and my CFO was freaking out and we were doing a hundred million dollars a year at this point. This okay. was in the, um, in the early nineties. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> um, my CFO said, you won't believe it. The bank just grabbed $2 million out of our account. And I said, but we only had like 2.2 in there. And I yeah. said, yeah, they left us with 200. And I said, well, what did they say? I mean, you've talked to them. Yeah. They're, they're, our returns were higher than they liked. So oh. we had a, a quality issue with one of our items okay, yeah. and just mm-hmm. one item was quality. We had a little bit of an issue it was going from 10% to 15% returns. And so they had a clause in our merchant agreement that at any time, if they felt they weren't covered, we had a $500,000 deposit in their bank against future returns and chargebacks. Okay. But when you're doing a hundred million a year yeah. at a 10% return, it's a $10 million you know, you know, kind of situation. So they're like, Hey, we need another couple million here. Yeah. Grabbed it right out of my account. 
virtually shut us down because that was my media dollars, my payroll, my inventory oh, yeah. money. I didn't have $2 million in excess cash. Yeah, exactly. That was my yeah. operating capital. That's right. So we were virtually out of business with just one swipe like that. So so basically that was all your, your payroll, your marketing budget. That was all your operating capital. F- F- yeah, exactly. We, we were running a $2 million a week sale because uh, we're doing $100 million a year. And so... Um, at two million a week, we kept that kept rolling. So, so yeah, the two million that was one week of sales, and but it was it, but that was a, a two million dollar kind of roll, um, media to inventory to payroll week to week, yeah. and it actually was profits. So because I didn't start with any cash, yeah. you know, I, I started with started the whole company with twenty five thousand dollars, and as we built the company, we were financing the growth out of profits. Okay, Just so bootstrap, so yeah. bootstrap, mm-hmm. right? And because, you know, I was a young entrepreneur and um, just trying to make it happen. And so we ended up getting in, in a very in, but for for about a month, they, they had us technically out of business. Oh, and wow. so um, we ended up getting one point six million of it back. Um, so we let them keep an extra four hundred. Okay, but yep. we, we were able to uh, survive instead of, you know, closing the doors down. But yeah. it was a brutal moment. And um, I think probably. We came out of it with a, a big learning curve. The, okay. the first thing that we learned was don't use one merchant account for a company with 10 products. Okay. So, you know, because if you've got 10 products, nine of them are running 8% return, but one of them now uh, is running 20%. Yeah, you had one product essentially becoming a liability to the other so ones it, that were just fine. Exactly. So what we ended up doing was setting up each product into its own separate corporation so that and we had separate merchant accounts and 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 this way if we had one item that was bad let them shut that merchant account down or let them take a bunch of money against the sales this wasn't even a huge product for us it was a small product that was giving the bank lots of phone calls and and chargebacks but it it, but the rest of our business was very solid so so we so we started setting up separate ventures yeah and you know and it worked out to to our advantage across the board because we needed separate accounting for uh, royalty structures and there was profit splits yeah, in some cases yeah. anyway so so we actually it, it was a good move for us and now to this day i don't know if you hear about this daniel but a lot of guys running around in this industry have a tough time with merchant accounts yeah right and so we had our first challenge with merchant accounts Early. in 1991 okay mm-hmm. so Learned quite a bit in the process, and once you got that sorted out, put put you in a much on a much better foundation. Absolutely, to grow everything yes. going forward. Yeah, awesome. That's a great story. So let let me talk just a little bit about your creative process. Yes. Sure. Um, what is that like for you when coming up with um, a new idea? Like, for example, you obviously had a lot of infomercials and things like yeah. that. Do do you are you a writer? Do you write yourself? I, as, I'm not a writer, you? but I'm I, I I consider myself you know sort of a positioning kind of okay, guy. Yeah. You know, so um, I started uh, learning some formulas in, in my world, okay. and, and you know, just to, to to throw one of them out, I think I look for pro, uh, products that solve problems. Okay, right? yep. so I mean, I think That's we, we like all us. do that, yeah. right? But in the selling process, let's take a 30-minute show. Yeah. We do three 10-minute pods. Yep. And each 10-minute pod has a tease, a please, and a seize. Okay. We tease with an attention-getting problem. Yep. We please with the solutions to the problem via testimonials and magical transformations 
demonstrations, Mm -hmm. and then we seize with an irresistible offer and then a CTA at the end. So a typical infomercial has a 10-minute pod, tease, please, seize, 10-minute pod, 10-minute pod. You'll see the Mm -hmm. same two-minute spot call to action run three times yeah and 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 that was kind of maybe the old days where the same one would just run and run and run but repetition was okay it worked and that's what we did as we got more sophisticated we'd change it up a little bit the spot so we didn't want them to see the exact same thing but on the creative side we would a lot of times if if we had a great uh presenter or as they called them in the day pitch men um Billy Mays, yeah. one of the best. Yep. Arnold Morris, the Ginsu guy, yep. one of the best knife guys ever. Right. Uh, we had John Parkin, the little guy with the bow tie. Uh-huh. And you know his, his first infomercial was a car wax show. Yeah. And we took a Rolls Royce and we lit it on fire because we put the car wax on first uh-huh. and, it, and the wax saved the, the paint from yeah. getting charred. Yeah. And so we did magical, you yeah. know, kind of, you know, magical types, types of things, right? Yeah. So... Because uh, and those were sort of the attention getters, right? Um, and so the so so that was the the process was sometimes we wanted either a good pitch person or sometimes a celebrity because celebrities had a, a little bit of credibility, obviously, and could give us um, a channel stopping kind of uh, 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 power as people were going from a movie and now they they don't. People don't tune into infomercials. Right. Okay. In fact, right. today you see in the guides, they'll say, you know, get rid of your wrinkles or something. Yeah. They, you know, they don't say infomercial, please watch, right? Yeah. Um, so so we um um you know, so so our creative was get good a good presenter, pitch person, um, talent, great testimonials, demonstrations, uh, and magical transformations. Awesome. And obviously it worked because I mean, like Five billion dollars later, is that what I mean? We did, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we had some really big successes, and um, and the funny thing is, people, uh, you know, they my, when my my son, who's thirty years old, first joined me, it won a couple of. The, I remember his his first big project that he got all excited about. This is going to be a grand slam and all that. It bombed. Okay, and so he's like just running around with his head, you know, down like I'm the dad. He said, I, I he put six months of his life into this project, yeah. right? And I'm and we, and we, we don't just walk. After we test, we go back and tweak and tweak again. And okay. if you ever heard the story, Carl Deichler, who started Beachbody, uh, Carl, yeah. mm-hmm. Carl worked for me uh, in my media department uh, back in the 80s. And so um, Carl tells the story about Beachbody when, it, when, it, when the, the, it, they owned um, P90X. And yeah. yep. When P90X first tested, it didn't work. But the second, they went to a second, a third. I think he says it was the 17th time wow. with changes that that finally popped. So so we, we I don't do 17, but, you know, I mean, he was seeing some progress. But generally, we test, we tweak, we test, we tweak. And if we if it doesn't work, we move on to the next one. OK, because That's it awesome. just you, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Right. So Same I said to Brian, we do now. you got to move on. You know, it's, yeah. it, it didn't work. OK. And I, and 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 I, I've said Winston Churchill says success is being able to go from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. OK, so yeah, yeah, I'm like, don't worry, you know, let's go. Let's find the next one. And then he but how do you deal with failure, dad? I'm like. I've had enough that I realize that's part of business and, you know, we're going to go find a winner now, you that's know? Right. So, and so that's, you know, the, 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 the stepping process of dealing with this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's yeah. so great. Well, I've got a gift for you here. 
Kevin. Um, oh, well. This is a copy of our book from Poop to Gold. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> as, that's fantastic. As well as um, a little bottle of Unicorn Gold from Squatty Potty. Nice. Which is a and, toilet spray. Yes, and then there's beautiful. An- another client we have coming up. It's called Taos Bakes. There's a little snack in oh, there. Oh, cool. But, thank um, you. Yay. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Where do where do our um, listeners find you? Where where should they look you up? Yeah. So my website, kevinharrington.tv. Mm-hmm. And I've um, got you know, all the details of how we do business and things there. And thanks for having me today. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. And guys, remember to like, to subscribe, to follow, share, all that good stuff. And we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.